Whiskey for the Ages is not sponsored or endorsed for any product or program mentioned in this show and receive no remuneration from their creators. Welcome to Whiskey for the Ages. I'm your host, Hannah Dawson, and I'm here with my dad and sister, Brian and Alora. Hey, hi everybody. Hi. I bet you're all shocked today, right? Yeah, we've got a bit of a change in setup with me behind the mic. The seating arrangement's a little bit different too. When we first started talking about starting a podcast, we were trying to sit down and really think about some of the episode ideas that we were gonna have. One of the ones that came out was this Spotlight series. We started it the last episode with the Spotlight in Proof. We talked about three different 90 proof whiskeys Today, I am going to be taking you on a little tour of a distillery. So we're gonna be doing a spotlight there. It is a pretty big topic, I know. There's a lot you can talk about with a distillery and even more options of whiskey to talk about within that distillery. I do wanna say that this is by no means an exhaustive adventure here. We'll probably revisit certain distilleries in the future to touch on some other really great offerings. Okay, that's really great, Hannah, but you mentioned the story. What exactly are we going to be talking about with uh, that? I've held you all in suspense, I know. So today we're going to talk about a big one. We're going to talk about Heaven Hill Distillery. Hey, that's one of my favorites, and you're right. This is a big topic. How are we going to break that down? Uh, so I think I mentioned last time that the distillery was going to be the spotlight and I think the best way to showcase the distillery is to talk about the Heaven Hill funk. In other words, what makes a product Heaven Hill beyond just where it was made and by whom. But of course we're going to have some sprinklings of fun facts along the way. We're going to be talking about the history of Heaven Hill. It's going to be a whole journey. That sounds like a lot of fun. So. Which ones from Heaven Hill are we drinking? Last week we had three 90 proofs. Today, given the size of this topic, we're going to enjoy four whiskeys, okay? Four whiskeys. That's going to be exciting. <laughs> we are going to be sipping some Evan Williams Bottled and Bond, some Elijah Craig Toasted Bourbon, some Larceny Barrel Proof Bourbon, and Pikesville Rye. So we are kind of going all over the place. That is quite a lineup. Which one are we going to do first? So we are going to go into the Evan Williams Bottled in Bond first. We're drinking this one out of a weck tonight. I'm going to give you a quick brief synopsis of some of the vitals of Evan Williams. It comes from Louisville, Kentucky. Distiller, obviously, Heaven Hill. I'm not going to say that every time. So classification, this would be a bottled in bond bourbon whiskey, meaning that it is bonded in a federally bonded warehouse. It is 100 proof or 50% ABV. The mash bill, corn, 78%, rye, 10%, and then malted barley, 12%. So it is a low rye offering here. Like all bourbons, we've got new charred oak being the cask. The char on these barrels is a char number three. Barrel entry proof, 125. That's pretty standard across the industry for what you put in to a barrel. There is no age statement on this one, though it is at least four years old. That's because of the bottled and bond. Yep. Uh, price, this one is the cheapest of our lineup here, hovering at about $20. The bottle that we've got, we actually haven't taken too many pours out of it recently so the last time i think we bought this one it was only about 15 dollars, but that was about three or four years ago so it is around 20 dollars now so what are we smelling on this one guys before we kind of dig in more into the into the distillery it's light and fragrant mm. one thing that i am getting straight off of the bat 
I'm reminded of Black Forest chocolate cake. I'm Ooh. getting a very fruity, very chocolate delicacy. You know, there's a really, really popular, or at least I thought it was, there was a popular ice cream uh, flavor that was like a white chocolate raspberry or a chocolate fruity sort of thing. I'm getting a lot of that. I know Black Forest has like the chocolate cake and then the cherries, but there's a bit of Black Forest and white chocolate raspberry mm. with this. You know, I can definitely get the chocolate here. There is a bit of spice, not too much though, because this is a low rye uh, bourbon. So guys, this is one that you shouldn't sleep on. If you're looking at bourbons in the store, you have to look down near the floor on this one. Yeah, but it is one of those secret value ones for sure. We always have it on our shelf. Like Hannah said, we may not have opened it recently or may not have gone back to it recently. But, Alora, I think you had some of this last night, didn't you? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I did. And you know what? It's... I wasn't really going into the specifics of like the smell and the and the taste of it. I was more so drinking it because yesterday for us it was a uh, World Whiskey Day and yep. I really wasn't in the mood to try anything else besides bourbon at a outing. And you know what? This, this one's is down. as good as the one last night. Yeah, that I had. yeah. This down at the roots of of what makes bourbon bourbon. So, but what makes Heaven Hill, Heaven Hill. So I'm going to talk a little bit about the history here. We're going to go on an adventure. Heaven Hill products are distilled in Louisville, Kentucky. It wasn't always that way. Their beginnings were actually in Bardstown, Kentucky. It was on an acreage that was owned by a man named William Heaven Hill. One word, not two. Back then, it was known more formally as Heaven Hill Springs Distillery, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. So the distillery opened officially in 1935, but that's not exactly where the story began. The Shapira brothers, there were five of them, Mose, George, Gary, David, and Ed. They were approached by some investors in 1934. Now keep in mind that 1934, we're in the midst of the Great Depression, but we're in post-Prohibition era, okay? Prohibition was ended in January of 1933. So there is a great demand for high quality whiskey. It's a big market that everybody wants to tap into. These investors approached the Shapira brothers. They are the heads of department stores, so they've got cash. The investors say, if you can invest $17,500, we'll pick up the rest and we'll get a distillery going. Now, if you're curious, I had to do a little bit of looking up here. $17,500 in 1934 money is about $387,000 to start a distillery. So that's where it started. The Shapiro brothers go, okay, we don't really know too, too much about whiskey or about bourbon, which is what this is going to be here at the start, but let's go ahead and jump on board with it. Since we're on William Heaven Hill's acreage, that's where the name Heaven Hill comes from, when they actually submitted the paperwork though to Frankfort, Kentucky, the capital of Kentucky, to say we're starting this business, it was started with a typo that had Heaven Hill as two words. Oh. Frankfort, Kentucky comes back and says, yeah, we can go ahead and correct that for you, but it'll cost you $10, 10 whole dollars. And the Shapiro brothers and the investors and everybody goes, you know what? We'll stick with two words, Heaven Hill. So that's how that happened, actually. Pretty fun there. $10 would have been a lot back it's then. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So we fast forward a little bit. We're at December 13th, 1935, so we're really at the tail end of the year. That's when the first barrels from Heaven Hill were actually filled. Now, that doesn't mean that we're selling to the market already, right? You know, we have to age for a little while. These barrels are going to sit and they're going to age for four years there in Bardstown. Four years is a long time to wait, especially when you take in consideration 
we're in the Great Depression. Money is scarce. It's a difficult time for everybody. 1937 rolls around, so we're only two years into this aging process. The investors, they don't have the funds to wait. The Shapiros, luckily, they still have their jobs as department store heads, so they've still got the income. The investors approach the Shapiro brothers and say, can you buy us out? Shapiro brothers go, okay, I guess we'll go ahead and do that. So they buy out the investors for $20,000 in 1937 money. Now we're sitting at about $420,000. So, wow. so they chip in practically three quarters of a million dollars in our money today <laughs> to get this whole thing up and off the ground. Just three quarters of a million dollars to start a distillery is not a lot of money. No, it's not. But hey, you know what? We are here. We're going. So those first offerings, barrels were filled in 1935, they come out in 1939, and the first product is Old Heaven Hill Bottled in Bond. It becomes Kentucky's number one seller, actually. That's amazing. That's pretty crazy. The first product that you put out to the public, and it's a hit immediately. What a risk. I mean, there are some music bands that don't have their first hit right. in the first year. Right, right. Wow. And they'd started this whole thing with, believe it or not, people from the Jim Beam Distillery. So <laughs> we've had people coming in from the get-go who are already super knowledgeable about this. Well, the Beam family has just got generation after exactly. generation after generation of background. Exactly. So Joe and Harry Beam are the ones that helped establish this old Heaven Hill bottled in bond. 1946, Earl Beam becomes the master distiller of Heaven Hill. He stays on for about three decades, 29 years. Mm -hmm. 1975, Earl's son, Parker, takes over as master distiller and he helps create some of the products that we immediately recognize as quintessential Heaven Hill, which would include Elijah Craig, Henry McKenna, and our good friend Evan Williams here that we are drinking. So you guys have had a bit to sip on this while I've been rambling. What, what have we noticed about the taste? Well, it's got some fruit. And while it is 100 proof, it certainly does not drink like 100 proof bourbon. Mm. It seems mellow to me. And I've often said that I will pour this bourbon at the end of an evening after I've had others because it's a great way to close a night when you want just a little bit more. Yeah, I, I thought agree. that it was the perfect closer to my last night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we are starting with this one. I know, yeah. yeah. I think there is a bit of spice here uh, in a warming sensation. I wouldn't say in like a peppery hot sensation, but you can definitely get your classic bourbon warmth settling at the back of the palate, coming down into the chest. It's just a really solid one all around. There's also a lot of vanilla in this. Like I'm getting, I'm getting more vanilla than chocolate. Mm. And another one that I'm getting is marshmallow. Like toasted marshmallow. Yeah, there's some toast yeah. here. There's definitely some toast here. You get a little background of uh, oak. Um, yep. Not necessarily a char per se, more of a, a saw blade going through oak, where it might have burned the oak a little bit. Yeah. But not, not in a bad way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I totally get what you're saying. That's accurate. That's It's yeah. a really great one. Again, um, like my dad mentioned, definitely don't sleep on this one. Just because it's got a plastic screw top and sits at the bottom of all of those shelves, does not mean it's a bad pour at all. It's a great pour, it's a great value, and like Dad also said, we do keep it around all of the time for that reason. Don't judge a book by its cover. Likewise, don't judge a bourbon based on its bottle. That's true, that's true. So our second pour tonight, we're doing some Elijah Craig Toasted. That's the one I picked. I wanted to make sure that when we went on this Heaven Hill journey that we weren't just getting classic bourbon after classic bourbon. I wanted to really spice it up. Evan Williams is that great kind of intro one. It has that bottled and bond story. We love the bottled and bond act over here. We 
tell people about it all of the time but I wanted to include something that had a bit of a special finish to it so introducing here the Elijah Craig toasted as I said it's a specially finished bourbon with toasted staves again it's made in Louisville Kentucky we've got a mash bill same as the one for that Evan Williams of 78% corn 10% rye and 12% malted barley so there's a theme there yep there's a theme and Following the theme from before also, we've got a barrel char of number three and a barrel entry proof of 125. Again, that's pretty standard though for most bourbons across the industry. We also have no age statement on this bottle either. Proof is a little bit different as well. Elijah Craig's, their starting line, they are right at 94 proof. That's their magic number, so that would be 47% alcohol. Price, we've jumped up a bit, guys. I apologize, but we're going on a journey here, so we're going all the way. <laughs> Price, we've got $54.95 over here for us in Idaho the last time that we purchased this one. That was a couple years ago. Luckily, we've got enough bottles that we can keep things in rotation pretty often. So, but what are we what are we smelling for for toasted bourbon here? Well, caramel. Right off the bat. Yep. Caramel, 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 caramel. Basically, but, so I get a little bit of that same sort of fruity element that I got in the Evan Williams, but this one has so much more of a caramel, almost nutty kind of feeling to it. It it smells rich. Yes. Yep. Like a a millionaire shortbread. <laughs> oh, you know what? Yes, it's a bit like like a Twix bar. Ever That's, the ever yeah. the baker. Ever I the... do enjoy baking. That is one thing I do want to try later on. But yes, so toasted. You know, we're we're talking about adding additional char flavors to a barrel, to a bottle, to a bourbon. All kind of leads back to a fire. I'm sure many of us have heard about it. The fire that happened at nearly the turn of the millennium over at Heaven Hill Distillery. 1996, Charlie Downs, who was at that time the distillery supervisor, he sees smoke coming out of one of the warehouses, out of warehouse one. Parker Beam, remember he's our master distiller at this time. He goes over, takes a quick peek, immediately sees what's going on and orders an immediate evacuation. By the time that everything is shut down and people are out, the whiskey, the fire has come down the hill across the highway and now it's on, to the, on its way to the distillery proper. Oh no. The best guess for how this fire started is weather, particularly a lightning strike. The summers and winters, frankly all of the seasons over in Kentucky can be pretty turbulent. The wind certainly exacerbated the problem, helping the fire spread. Firefighters on scene, they were trying to protect the other rickhouses by dousing them in cool water or to keep them cool. And unfortunately, there just wasn't much to be done and they weren't really able to take out the fire with the kind of speed that anybody would have hoped and prayed for, but there were no fatalities. So that's a great thing but all along barrels are exploding there's flaming whiskey spilled into Rowan's Creek it's overflowing it even and that's what resulted in the whole highway being crossed with fire and likewise engulfed so it was a pretty big event it had some pretty long-lasting implications for the distillery next day they all come in it's estimated that about 15% of all of the product had been lost. If you're wondering what that would have been, that's about 92,000 barrels. Oh no. Equivalent to about $30 million in product. Max Shapira, who is Ed's son, he's brand new to being the president of this distillery. This is one of his first big trials as a distillery owner. And at first, you know, obviously there's going to be this trepidation. How am I going to go about this? But he says that when he went in the next day, it really was more like a business as usual sort of thing. There was so much resilience in all of the workers he'd employed. There was so much hope and determination to get 
everybody back on their feet to get the distillery back on their feet. In fact, since the bottling plant was still functioning, the day after the fire, they're still packaging bourbon up and shipping it out to consumers. Like how crazy is that? The this power of community. <clears throat> True. Jeez. Yeah. No one would lose their jobs in this whole affair, which is incredible. And other distilleries, competitors, would actually go on and help distill Old Heaven Hill, which is their marketed, you know, that's their big kahuna at this point. I think that says quite a lot for the industry as a whole, how the everybody comes is together. A community. Yeah. It really is. And bourbon takes so long just to be put on the shelf. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a statistic like nine years, is it? It has to be in a barrel and at least four if it's, oh, bonded, if, it's, if it's bonded but some of the bourbons have age statements of 12 years plus yeah yeah a couple weeks ago we had some eagle rare and it's 10 years old yeah so it's a lot of effort a lot of time a lot of patience goes into these and to know that there were other distilleries who instead of saying like hey we can burn out a competitor here right now they lost their actual distillery to step in and go, we'll help you distill your product in our distilleries while you get back up on your feet. How incredible is that? I'd be crying, to so, be honest. <laughs> but in order to still distill your own product, we all know about mash bills, right? I mentioned it. It was the 78, 10, 12 mixture of different grains. Grains aren't the only thing that go into the recipe of what makes a whiskey a whiskey. You have to have something for that whiskey to be able to successfully ferment. In comes the yeast. Now, there are so many different yeast strains and they will all impart different flavors, different tones, different textures to a certain whiskey. The yeast that Heaven Hill used for its products had been a yeast that had been passed down through those generations. So there was this fear, we keep the yeast in the distillery. Are we actually going to be able to recover that yeast? What are we going to do if it's gone? So they go over there. The, the distillery has not burnt to the ground. It's still standing in some parts. So they get on essentially a crane, a bucket elevator and they go up to the fifth floor of the distillery. That's where the refrigerators are for the yeast. They go up in there, lo and behold, the yeast is there, huh. undamaged and still cold. <laughs> so they're able to go ahead and rescue this yeast, the yeast being their secret recipe, their secret, uh, the secret ingredient, so to speak. What makes Heaven Hill, Heaven Hill? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the yeast goes into Charlie and Parker's home refrigerators <laughs> to keep it up and going. So still, like I said, this would have a long lasting impact on how Heaven Hill was gonna do business. In 1999, United Distillers, these are the owners of Bernheim, they buy out Heaven Hill. And in large part, the new distillery that Heaven Hill was going to be at, in Louisville now, at Bernheim's distillery, all of the technology they're using is practically an upgrade. So they add more copper to the stills. This is supposed to make things more stable, have less of an impact on the actual taste, um, and they're able to triple the space of their distilling. So they're really able to ramp it up. In 2007, they're making 200,000 barrels a year. Fast forward seven years later, 2014, now we're at 300 barrels a year because we're in the new big bourbon boom. 300,000. 300,000. And eventually it would become 400,000 barrels per year. That's pretty crazy. Wow. Yep. In 2016, Cox's Creek Barrel Preserve opened as another location for Rick houses and would have a capacity of 56,000 barrels with an increased focus on safety and fire prevention to make sure that the fire that happened in 96 would not be happening again. That's great. Yeah. That's awesome. So, with Laura, what do you think? What yeah. does this one taste like? This 
again, I got a lot of caramel. It's kind of a light caramel. A light caramel that you combine with chocolate. Mm. Like, straight out of a caramel candy, really. It's I got a, a lot of that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very a, much more sugary. In my, in my opinion, it's a lot sugary, more sugary than um, the Evan Williams. Yeah. And it's that would be because of that. It's been a while since we've had this one. Yeah. i completely forgotten how good this one is. Yeah, it's definitely on the sweeter side of a Heaven Hill product. That char, that toasted quality to it, I think really adds a lot of sweetness, a lot of sugar, a lot of vanilla, a lot of caramel, all of that good stuff. This so one. the toasting process in this, my understanding is from what I've read, is aside from being barreled and, and being in the barrel for X number of years, it's then taken out of the barrels and put back into another barrel that has been toasted on the inside. Mm -hmm. Now when we talk in terms of toasted, essentially what they're using is an infrared heating element to turn the color of the wood to its nice dark brown toast. Think toast coming out of your toaster. Mm -hmm. Well this is just microwaves. Yes. Infrared is yes. microwaves. Yes. So they're not burning the inside of the secondary barrel. The barrels are then filled and it isn't very long. They don't stay in that barrel no. very long. Six to eight months, I believe, is all. And then it's dumped, small batches, and then bottled. Filtered and bottled, obviously. But right, you know, right. Whatever. So right. kind of an inter interesting process. That's a great one. Next step up, though. Larceny Barrel Proof. Oh. Yeah, I had to pull this one in. This yeah. is a Larceny Barrel Proof B522, for those who are curious. Um, we do have... It's a about a year ago. About a year ago. We're a bit behind on reviewing our more recent Larceny Barrel Proofs. We do have them on, on the to-do list. There's so many things on the to-do list, though. It's easy to get overexcited. <laughs> but still wanted to include one of the Barrel Proof offerings from Heaven Hill in this whole adventure here. So let's talk a little bit about this one. Unlike the other two that we just had, this is a weeded bourbon, meaning that the secondary grain is wheat instead of rye. We're still in Louisville, Kentucky here. Mash bill, we've got a 68% corn, 20% wheat. So now if you recall, the rye and those other ones had been 10% rye. We're really amping up the wheat here to 20% to get that full impact. And we've still got a 12% of malted barley. Barrel char still number three, and barrel entry proof still 125. Since this is a barrel proof, the proof on it is naturally gonna be a bit higher. It's gonna be 123.8 on this particular batch. Uh, that would round out to about 61.9% alcohol. No age statement again on this one. Heaven Hill does say though that it is six to eight years old. That's what all of their Larceny Barrel Proof batches are. And the price, this is our most expensive one of the bunch. Uh, when we got it, it was $64.95 over here in Idaho. So what do we think on the nose for it though? A lot more mellow. This, I definitely get the bread element in. Yeah, it is bready. There is a little bit of a wine element here. I can get that. And while it is a weeded bourbon, I can still smell the corn, but I also smell the wheat. Yeah, the wheat is definitely pretty dominant here for sure. I also do get a little tiny bit of vanilla and a little bit of caramel, almost like if you were to spread it across the wheat bread. For me, whenever I make wheat bread, I always put honey instead of cane sugar. I always put that, and I think that it adds a little bit of a just warmer sweetness to the bread. I'm sure it adds depth. Yeah, it does. You're it's not, a lot you're more You're not richer. hearing any complaints from us. No. Okay, no. Yeah, <laughs> I do want to continue making this, so I guess you guys are going to have to eat more bread. Darn it. Uh -huh. <sighs> Darn it. 
So Larceny Barrel Proof isn't the only barrel proof that Heaven Hill offers, which I'm sure a lot of people know. Um, along with the Larceny Barrel Proof are the Elijah Craig Barrel Proofs. I bet you all thought that I would have picked an Elijah Craig Barrel Proof for this Heaven Hill distillery run, but no, ho, ho, I tricked everybody, I bet. You had us fooled. I had, I had you all <laughs> fooled. So, but the Elijah Craig Barrel Proofs, for those of you who don't know, those are tri-annual releases. Heaven Hill on their website actually still has all of the batches going back to 2013 on their website, which I think is pretty cool. They're all 12 year old small batches with the exception of one, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, they are uncut, meaning that there's no water that was put into them after they came out of the barrel. They went straight barrel to bottle. That's the whole point of a barrel proof. Heaven Hill on their website, specifically with those Elijah Craig barrel proofs, say that it's to show the impact of the angel share and likewise give a nod to Elijah Craig himself, who there are so many legends around this and, and, and we know this, I know, but Elijah Craig is one of the people who's been credited with the idea of letting whiskey age in a charred barrel, which is obviously now how all bourbon has to be aged. It's a highly awarded series. Almost every single year, there's an award out for one of the batches, A, B, or C. And the proof on those guys, those are some of the highest proofs that you can really get out of a bourbon. Um, what do you guys, I, I actually looked this up, what do you guys think the highest proof is from the Elijah Craig Barrel Proof line since I'm, it's in, since 2013. I'm going to throw a number of 147.5 or 147.8. Wow, okay. I don't remember for sure. Okay. Um, I probably put in between 137 and 145. I know it's a big gap, but you That know is a what? big gap. <laughs> well, you captured, Laura, the, the actual number in there. The highest proof one is 140.2. Oh. This was batch C914. So it came out in September of 2014, the last batch of that year, which is pretty crazy. So the characteristics of those Elijah Craig barrel proofs, they're hot, right? They're yep. they're really hot. Yeah. The, the the spices there, the you feel warm all over. You get a Kentucky hug if you're not careful. Usually, I'm yep. not too fond of really, really hot bourbons for that reason. I don't like to be overwhelmed by heat. I don't like to be set on fire from <laughs> from bourbon. But, I mean, those kinds of proofs, they offer a lot. They do. Yep. So, a number of years ago, we were in Wisconsin visiting family. Oh, gosh, yes. And we brought, <laughs> we brought with us several of our favorites. And at the time, uh, C919 was stellar to me. Um, my cousin uh, decided that he was going to have some of that. And while I'm sure he's had plenty of bourbon in his life, he was unprepared and did not quite frankly know how to drink that bourbon. And he took a fairly large swallow. Mm -hmm. followed by his eyes bugging out of his head, <laughs> him wheezing and coughing, and for the next half hour, he didn't say anything. He just looked at the table with all of the fear and regret <laughs> that I think I've ever seen anybody have in their eyes. <laughs> he probably couldn't have managed more than a mm-hmm yeah. whenever yeah. you would ask him yeah. if he was okay mm -hmm. or not. Yeah, so... Yeah. I guess the moral of that story is don't play with the bourbon. Right. Do Sip be it careful. And be careful because this one will hurt you. Yeah. Well, not maybe this one. Well, this one being a larceny barrel proof, yeah. although it certainly yeah. can. Yeah. So if you're not careful, yes. Right. So these larceny barrel proofs, they are newer to the line of Heaven Hill's barrel proof family. Uh, they started in around 2020. They're also triannual, so they follow that same Elijah Craig barrel proof label pattern of ABC 159 uh, five, and then the year. Also about six to eight years old. 
They are a descendant of the Old Fitzgerald distillate. Old Fitzgerald is another weeder that comes from Heaven Hill. And they boast twice as much wheat in the mash bill as many other distilleries do for their weeders. Remember, this is 20% wheat, so we're really amping that up. And just like their Elijah Craig barrel proof cousins, they're also highly rewarded. Whenever we get this one, it's an immediate, this is great. I've loved every single pour that we've had from the Larceny barrel proof line, despite being super high proof. They're not usually quite as high proof as the Elijah's are, but they offer a lot of complexity more than I think you can really more than you would expect out of a weeder. What I have found about Larceny Barrel Proof products is, to me, they're more like a ride bourbon than they are a weeded bourbon when you drink them. They smell soft. The first sips tend to be soft, but they have a burning sensation to them that's not typical of a weeded bourbon. Yeah, I would agree. It's like those little uh, pop rocks going off on the tip of your tongue. Yeah. 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 So, but what do we get out of B522, the, our larceny here that we're drinking tonight? Well, I'm still getting fruit <laughs> and I'm still getting caramel. Yeah. I am getting those too. It's a little bit more mellowed than the one previous, but you know, it's still a really good bourbon. Like I feel like after work, I could come home and have a sip of this. It, it's not like overwhelming. It's not too mellow to be like, I'm trying to get you there. It's just like a really comforting drink. Yeah, I think it's kind of, believe it or not, like that Evan Williams bottled and bond, but an older sibling to it. You know, the, 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 but the mash bills, the mash bills are totally different, but they really, you can tell they're related. You really can. Yeah. So um, I do want to make sure that we explore the entirety here. So I want to talk about a rye for a second. Heaven Hill does have rye. Um, tonight I've chosen for us Pikesville rye. Um, this is one of my favorite ryes ever. I'm so excited. Uh, so it is a straight rye. comes from Louisville again. Uh, distilled at Heaven Hill. It's distilled with that Bernheim distillery. Mash bill 51% rye. So in order to be classified a rye, we've got to have that magic number. 39% corn and then 10% malted barley. So there's actually a lot of corn going into this. Hmm. Barrel char again, that magic number three. We have an unpublished barrel entry proof on this one, uh, but we do have an age statement of six years. We have a proof of 110, so that's 55% ABV. And then the price is right about 50 bucks. This particular one is based off of originally a Maryland rye. So I did some fun little research when I was preparing for this episode. Actually on the bottle, if you look at it, it will say established in commerce 1895. That's obviously before 1935 when Heaven Hill Distillery opened. It started, like I said, as a Maryland product. Maryland and Pennsylvania were the two main producers of rye at that time, so they each had their own brand of rye, their own qualities of what made who what, etc. Maryland rye typically were classified by being sweeter than their counterparts, and that was large in part due to a high corn content and again for reference we do have a 39 percent corn in the mash bill here so it is pretty high this particular one when it had started it was potentially a rectified whiskey so i believe we talked about this in the last episode but rectified whiskeys those are sourced whiskeys that can be aged blended um, have additives even put in after the fact so once the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897 kicked in and that Pure Food and Drug Act of 1906 kicked in, that was not done so much anymore. So I personally don't know how much I believe that Pikesville was rectified given that established in commerce 1895. And that's not a whole lot of time 
to do all of that rectifying business until the federal law cracks down on you. So the nose, though, of it, Pikesville. It smells fresh. We are in a whole new arena with a yeah, rye. It smells really fresh. And it has a lot of depth in it. You know, I got that rye bread element. I did. But another one that I got, and this is going to be very, very specific, vanilla bean. Hmm. Okay. Vanilla bean has a different taste than French vanilla or vanilla extract. French vanilla is very much more creamy, very, very heightened. Vanilla bean has that subtle yet strong flavor. This is very much reminiscent of vanilla bean. Mm. Does it taste like vanilla bean? That one I don't know. Let me have a... <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm putting you on the spot. We've been just enjoying the nose and I've been talking and all that good stuff. There's definitely a vanilla flavor mm, there. Yeah. Almost toffee. Toffee vanilla. Yeah. You know what? I get that. And I love toffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> More toffee for me. There's, so, a, there's a nut element here too, but I can't quite pick it. Let's see. I get a little bit of almond. Maybe pine nuts, too. Maybe. So I do want to ask, though, and this is open-ended here. Heaven Hill Funk. We, we've had four now. We've had four offerings from, I should mention this, the largest family-owned and operated bourbon distillery. That's important to note, I think. Yep. Mm -hmm. But what makes Heaven Hill Heaven Hill when it's in the glass? Oh, Fruit. that's a lot of Yeah. Fruit, yeah, I so. would say, yes. And, and I would say not not a bright fruit, more of an earthy fruit, more of a, mm. a deeper fruit. Not necessarily dried fruit, but more towards the dark fruit families. I would say that too. I would also say the first one I kind of hinted at raspberries and cherries. Those ones kind of carried through. I want to say the second one was more chocolatey than fruity. I would say that the first one that we had, the Evan Williams, for me, has been the most fruity. The other yeah. thing I would say here is there's not a lot of char. And that's going to be due to the char level three that they're putting on it rather than the four. It's not smoky sweet. Um, there's there's wood influence for sure, but it's it's subtle. You might get a little bit of toasted marshmallow, but to be honest, I just got like the melted marshmallow compared to toasted. See, and I think that what makes a Heaven Hill product a Heaven Hill product is deep baking spices. Okay, that's, that is true. That's that's me. You talk about depth and fruit. I really get a lot of baking spices there's a, there's cinnamon here there's there's nutmeg here. yeah there's yeah the pepper elements yeah basically fall think yeah. autumn that's think a good autumn. way to word it that's a good way to word yeah. it now obviously these four are not the only offerings from heaven hill there's quite a few other ones i'll just go briefly through a few elijah craig has its a whole lineup all of its own we could probably do a whole episode like this on just Elijah Craig, <laughs> but they've got their straight ride, they've got their small badge, their barrel proofs, like I mentioned, there's an 18-year-old, Evan Williams has its own line, Larceny has its own whole line, Alora's talked before about how she likes that Larceny small batch. It's a great go-to. I mentioned <laughs> that old Fitzgerald, that who's that elder weeder of the Heaven Hill line. Parker's Heritage from Parker Beam has their own lineup. It's a fall release every year. There's Henry McKenna, and there's Bermheim Wheat. So quite a few different things that we could de definitely talk about in the future. I, I see Heaven Hill being in the future for a long time. And on that note of future, there were a couple of things that I noticed that Heaven Hill has in the works going forward. I'm sure other people know about this, but this would probably be news to a lot of us Idaho folks who can't find Bermheim very much, if anywhere. Bermheim is now having a barrel proof, just like the Elijah Craig's and the Larcenies. 
Unlike those two others though, it's just going to be released twice a year. The first one was in February of this year. I don't know for certain, but I would suspect that batch number two of the year would probably come out in August. That way it's every six months. That would make the most sense to me. Yeah. They are releasing a Square Six High Rye Rye Whiskey. So this would be a 63% rye, 24% corn, 13% malted barley. So we're decreasing that corn value substantially from that larceny. We haven't seen Square Six out here at all, or at I've, least I I've haven't. I've never even heard of it before. There is a Square Six High Rye Bourbon already. It was released in 2021, so we're a bit new here. That one had a mash bill of 52% corn, 35 rye, 13 malted barley. There was a Heaven Hill Heritage Collection released this year. It was a 20-year-old straight corn whiskey. And... I mentioned a little bit earlier, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof Age Statements, okay? B523 is not a 12-year-old. And there's going to be more to come on that. There's going to be more to come on that. It is an 11-year-old with five months, so almost 12, but not quite. Opinions seem to be pretty divided on this from what I've seen on social media. Some people are like, well, that'll mean there's, there'll be more to sell, and then there are others who are, you really want that age. Um, we'll definitely see how that goes. I haven't seen any of B523 in the stores yet, but we'll see how it goes. This isn't necessarily new news for the future of Heaven Hill, but it is something to keep in mind. 2024, we're bringing, we're bringing it back to Bardstown where Heaven Hill first started. They've spent $135 million to open up a, a distillery back in Bardstown. And they're going to start with about 150,000 barrels per year and work up to 450,000 barrels per year. And lastly, I do actually want to mention some great things that I learned about Heaven Hill in preparation for this episode. Things I wasn't anticipating learning about, but really incredible things nonetheless. Heaven Hill really gives back to the community in a lot of really cool ways. They really love to focus on their local area but a lot of their, what they do kind of spills out as well. They donate money to the Bermheim Forest. It's 25 and a half square miles around their distillery to help support the wildlife, the forestry, all of that. They're really big on sustainability over there and making sure that there are gonna be enough oak trees for future bourbon down the line. Oh, that's awesome. Yep, but that's not all. Um, there is also the Evan Williams American Made Heroes Foundation, and since 2020, they have accumulated $500,000 for veterans for a whole host of things that veterans can use that money for, which is really incredible. Wow. Heaven Hill is also a part of the Kentucky Distillers Association. Uh, there are several different distilleries who are members of this association, like Old Forester is, Fort Roses is, Maker's Mark is. So they all came together after the winter of 21 and the summer of 22 over in Kentucky. There were a lot of catastrophic weather events that happened over there, particularly a series of tornadoes and flooding that just demolished the area, homes, infrastructure, everything. As a whole association. They participated in accumulating almost $6 million for victims of all of those weather events from those years, which is pretty incredible. That's good stuff. Um, they are big players in raising funds and giving back to a women's shelter called Bethany Haven. This helps women get medical help that they need. Uh, it's a homeless shelter for those women, gives them clothes, food, really incredible. And then lastly, something that they've embedded within the story of their distillery is the Parker's Heritage Collection. Now we have one of these bottles, the Orange Curacao bottle. I can't recall from what year. I mentioned earlier that these are annual releases. They come out during the fall. Parker Beam, who was that master distiller from Earl, from 
the, the Beam family from the very beginning, he had ALS. This is a, a myotrophic lateral sclerosis. He was diagnosed with that in 2010. Now, for those of you who don't know, it is a condition that gradually eats away at your nerves, greatly impacts physical mobility, and will result, there, there's no cure for it, unfortunately. So when Parker received this diagnosis in 2010, he went to the distillery and said, I want to have a way that we can raise money for cure, for a foundation, for the Kentucky chapter. There is a chapter for ALS in Kentucky for ALS, like I mentioned. And they created this Parker's Heritage Collection, of which every year part of the proceeds of those sales for that bottle would go towards that chapter. All of those bottles are unique blends and ideas that Parker had during life that they're still putting into effect now. It's, it's been incredible. Over half a million dollars since Parker's Heritage Collection was announced and is released every year. That's a very Worthwhile. amazing amount. Yeah. And you know, ALS, it's... It's unfortunate. and It's Parker, a terrible disease, yes. Parker unfortunately lost his life to ALS in 2017. So, but the story lives on. The heritage collection that he started lives on. Every year there is a new one for Parker, which I, I, I really loved that. Makes me want to go out and get more Parker. I know, exactly. I know, yeah, and, and really appreciate the one, the one that we've got. on to the news in our segment. Uh, Dad, do you want to take this over? Yeah, yeah. It's been uh, kind of a busy couple of weeks. I had quite a few stories from which to choose, but uh, in keeping somewhat with our theme, lead news story is Heaven Hill revamping the Elijah Craig barrel-proof bourbon with the variable age mm -hmm. statements. Anna <laughs> mentioned it earlier. So recently, first part of May, I guess, when the uh, B523 came out, we were all a little bit surprised because the whole world got crazy because no longer does it say 12-year-old bourbon on the back of the bottle. In fact, there's a whole new label. The label on the front has a spot that designates the age. So we were all a little bit worried what's going on here. When I say we, we crazy bourbon people. <laughs> Heaven Hill's press release says, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof will now be barreled in small batches with varying age statements. Each batch of Elijah Craig Barrel Proof will have its own unique taste profile and proof as in years past. And now it will have a unique age statement emblazoned right on the bottle. All other qualities in the series will remain the same. It will remain non-chill filtered and uncut. And that's to preserve the natural esters and taste components. We talked about that in one of our previous episodes. Yeah. Each batch's age will be reflected on the labels, as I'd mentioned. The MSRP has inched up a little bit as well. My first bottles that I bought were under $60. <laughs> the new bottles are going for around $80. Oh. That's here in uh, Idaho. I would imagine they vary across the, the country depending on where you're buying. Elijah Craig Barrel Proof Batch B523 is aged 11 years and 5 months. Now that means that the youngest barrel that went into the batch was 11 years 5 months old. This batch is bottled at 62.1% ABV, which is 124 proof, and that's similar to all yeah. the recent batches that have come out. Future batches are going to fluctuate in age, and Heaven Hill has hinted that the C923 batch could be aged more than 13 years. On a personal note, it'll be interesting to learn how each batch remains distinctive. So I guess 
we have to stay tuned for that. I mean, Booker's batches vary by age too. Yes. You know, they, they're all, they, and they go down to the day, yes. you know, of that youngest barrel that went into their small batches. I think And they, rarely are they over six years, six and a half right. years, seven years. Yeah. That's they a, tend think, to stay around that six to eight years. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that this is not, I don't think it's necessarily something to be afraid of. I, I think it's just something that they're, that they could be trying to put a new mark on things and try new things. And I do agree. We'll just have to stay tuned and keep up the interest for, for where it goes. And I'll keep buying them. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> and, definitely. And just so you girls know, I have one. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. oh! I, I, I had a friend uh, mule me one from uh, <laughs> from Oregon. Wow! Picked it up last week. Very it nice. helps to have connections. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. <laughs> now this one, this next news story is for a bourbon we've not had, although members of our local whiskey group have raved about it. MGP has acquired Penelope Bourbon for $105 million. It's expanding Luxco's whiskey portfolio. As we all know, MGP acquired Luxco late uh, 2021. MGP Ingredients has announced that it's Luxco, the subsidiary, has acquired 100% ownership of Penelope Bourbon. Penelope Bourbon was founded in Roswell, New Jersey in 2018 by Michael Paldini and Daniel Palasi. They remain at the helm for now, but changes may be coming. The actual sale could be as high as $215.8 million, which includes performance incentives. Penelope Bourbon is a family-owned, founder-owned, and operated whiskey company. It has a diverse portfolio of quality whiskeys in the premium plus price tiers. So, but even though they were founded in 2018, they're still, they still have enough product to be able to. Yes. I'm thinking again about that, how long they got to sit in a barrel and yes. age. So one of the reasons why MGP has made this move is Penelope was sourcing from MGP. Ah. Okay. So, okay. so they had a, a wealth of product available. The acquisition includes the intellectual property and all the inventory of bottled product, as well as the aging inventory. And it was on a debt and cash-free basis. So pretty cool uh, that you're cash-rich company. <laughs> this is going to be measured through December 31st, 2025. MGP and Penelope Bourbon transaction highlights include enhanced presence in the growing American whiskey category, expands the portfolio in the premium price point brands, leverages branded spirits in the national distribution platform of MGP, which extends Penelope's reach, as I said earlier, Penelope is a current MGP Distilling Solutions customer. It's expected to immediately add to Luxco's gross margin and their basics earnings per share as soon as the sale goes through. This is anticipated to cost approximately $5 million by the time the whole purchase concludes in the end of December 2025. The transition is anticipated to close here in a month or so. David Colo, president and CEO of MGP Ingredients, said, We're excited to welcome Penelope as part of our expanding Premium Plus brand. This acquisition aligns well with our premiumization strategy and our focus on growing high-potential, high-margin brands. Penelope is an excellent addition to our branded spirits portfolio. We look to expand availability throughout our national distribution platform. Penelope Bourbon has been one of the country's fastest growing whiskey brands, and it was named after the founder's daughter. Hmm. Nice. So, we talked rye a little bit earlier, and Hannah mentioned Maryland rye. 
Now we're going to talk a little bit about Pennsylvania rye. Jim Beam, the owner of Old Overholt, has come out with a new label, which essentially means they've been listening to people. Rye and other whiskey enthusiasts are demanding authenticity in their products. This demand has sparked a change in, at Beam Suntory. Old Overholt appears to be returning to its Pennsylvania roots. A little back history. As Hannah mentioned, there were two main contenders in the rye market in the mid, mid to late 1700s. Historically, uh, Pennsylvania ryes had no corn in the mash bill. The epicenter of America's rye whiskey heritage is in the state of Pennsylvania. All other styles use corn somewhere in the recipe. Maryland rye, as Hannah mentioned, use around 10 to 15% corn. Kentucky varieties typically double that. Oh, so a bit of uh, taste difference, yeah. huh? Yes, yes. A little sweeter. In the last 30 years, Indiana, or MGP, developed a 95-5% recipe. Huh? Jim Beam's standard Kentucky rye recipe is estimated to be 51% rye, 35% corn, and 14% malt barley. So that would be more like the Maryland rye then? More like the Maryland rye mm -hmm. or after a sweeter profile. Mm -hmm. There are craft distilleries in Pennsylvania and throughout the United States that are trying to resuscitate this famous spirit. People are taking uh, distinctive steps to revive the flavors that have been lost to time. They're using traditional distilling methods, such as pot stills and three chamber stills. And there's a Colorado distillery, the Leopold Brothers, making a Pennsylvania-style rye right now. Historical records indicate Pennsylvania had the most stills in operation prior to and during the Revolutionary War, hmm. all producing rye whiskey. Since then, and for almost 200 years, Pennsylvania remained a rye powerhouse. But in the late 60s and through the 1990s, distilleries fell on hard times because whiskey fell out of favor. Distilleries in the eastern U.S. were shuttered, and Pennsylvania was hit especially hard. Old Overholt is America's oldest continually maintained brand. It actually started in the early 1800s and is consistent throughout that entire time. Wow. That's another great value one that you shouldn't sleep on just because it looks like it's a lower price tier one. It's about the same price as that Evan Williams bottled and bond that we mentioned earlier. It's a great rye. If you're wanting to get introduced to the rye world, that's the one you reach yep. for. If it wasn't for a series of acquisitions, old Overholt looked like it also was going to be a victim. But it was finally bought by Jim Beam in 1987. Jim Beam has announced the mash bill used in their new releases will be 80% rye and 20% malt barley. Wow. No corn. So a lot of spice, a lot of rye, right? Yes, yes. It will be an authentic Pennsylvania rye. That's really cool. Yep, leaving corn out puts the emphasis on the rye. So certainly there's another option that could happen. They could continue with the old Overholt brand with this new malt barley and introduce a completely new rye. That's what I kind of think they should do. I really love old Overholt as it is, but I would be more than happy to welcome a new member into the family. You know, keep it just more the merrier. Don't don't cut out anybody else or change up anybody else, but we'll see, we'll see. I'm interested. Jim Beam is also sourcing the Mungahela rye grown in Pennsylvania to make this new product. It will remain non-chill filtered to allow the traditional taste and mouthfeel to come through. And with a commitment to this tradition, it appears old Overholt will be more than ever authentic. Like always, you can read these stories on our website. We have a link to all of the news articles that we get throughout the week. And you'll never know what's coming in the future. That's true. So what do we have coming up within 
the next couple episodes. I, I, I'm looking at our calendar here and I'm seeing, uh, I, I'm seeing things. In two weeks, in two weeks, we will begin our interview series with a good friend of mine and a friend of the show, Greg Walters. A number of years ago, he was a manager of a whiskey establishment in Wisconsin, and we're going to discuss bar pours. That'll be fun. It's always, he, he, he's a fun guy to talk to for sure. Yeah, he definitely has a lot of ideas. Another thing that's in the future is a live stream. We'll actually get the chance to talk to you guys and have some whiskeys with you. During that time, you can offer suggestions perhaps what you're tasting in your bourbons versus what we're tasting in mine. I mean, I, I know I've got a different kind of profile than both, both Hannah and Dad here, but it'll be a really cool discussion, and honestly, we're just here to have a good time. And we are getting pretty darn close to figuring out exactly how we're going to do that. By the next episode, we will have a distinct answer of what time and what platform you'll be able to find us on so that you can sit down and have a pour with us. And if you decide to not sit down and have a pour with us, well, then I guess we'll just talk amongst ourselves for yep. however long <laughs> and we'll upload ourselves talking. Take that into your own hands. You know, that, that, that's your call. We're hoping to have the ability to bring in four to six individuals. That'd be fun. If we can, four to six individuals, that kind of limits how many people we can actually have on the call? Sign up or now. Where? Call well, us. Text us. <laughs> uh, we will, we will leave have, a message. We will have it all figured out for you by the time we are filming that interview series. And we will make sure to give you details then. After that, we do have an, uh, an educational episode on whiskey history. Today we talked about the history of Heaven Hill quite a bit, but we're going to dig into some whiskey history. I and know I, Dad's very, Dad very is so excited. excited for that. And then uh, to wrap up our season, our first season, hopefully one of many, we will be having that listener's pick. And likewise, we will have those options up somewhere in a poll for you to choose which one we will be reviewing here as soon as possible. Uh, in the meantime, though, please, please, please continue, uh, continue listening, share, uh, like, subscribe, all of those fun things that people say on social media stuff. I, have, I can't believe we get to actually be the ones to say that now. And let us know what you think about the show. Let us know where you want it to go what you think. Please what give us ideas on what to talk about as Absolutely. well. But with that, I think we've just about wrapped it up. We've talked to you off enough. Um, thank you so much for being with us and listening to this great uh, story of Heaven Hill and all of its lovely products. So with that, uh, we're going to close the show with our favorite way to do that. So cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.